today. Now, I don't know about you, but faithfulness, when it comes to a Christian life, that can be, that, I looked up a lot of synonyms, and, and there are a lot of things that, that faithfulness would reflect. You could use words like commitment. You could lo- use words like loyalty. Anything that causes consistency and, and something that you can easily, it's a repetitive lifestyle, being faithful to something. You know, we have relationships that we need to be faithful to. We have our church family that we need to be faithful to. We have our business and careers that we need to be faithful to. There are so many different things. But when you think about faithfulness, I don't know about you, but I think about one thing. When I first thought, I was like, you know, faithfulness. What is a, what is a symbol of faithfulness? And I don't know if you, if you can put, put up this on the screen here, but, but how many of you know what that is? Old what? Oh, man, that's exactly right. Now, Old Faithful is an amazing geyser that is found in Yellowstone National Park. I've never seen it uh, outside of, you know, in real life. I've always wanted to go to it. But when you look at it, it's like, man, that is magnificent. And do you know that there are some neat things that makes Old Faithful worth going to see? I was just doing a little research, and it's like, how did anybody know how Old Faithful got its name? I was just thinking probably because it, you know, explodes faithful, you know? We're, we're on the same page. We're not, uh, you know, as dumb as we look. Okay, all right. Uh, so Old Faithful's name, members one of the Washburn-Langford Doan Expedition, gave Old Faithful its name because it went off at regular intervals, intervals that lasted between 15 to 20 minutes and nine times while they were in the area. So it, it actually was named because it erupted consistently over and over again. Now, I don't, I've, again, I've never been there, but according to uh, research, Old Faithful uh, and scientists average that the interval between Old Faithful's eruptions is about 90 minutes per eruption. They range between from 35 minutes to two hours. An eruption can last, uh, I'm sorry, uh, between eruptions, there's a space of about 30 minutes to two hours, and an eruption can last from about one and a half to five minutes and can spray as high as 90 to 184 feet in the air. That's pretty amazing. And the fact is, is that this has been going on for a long, 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 long time. Now, that's what I wanted to kind of put a drill into your mind this morning, just a glimpse of something that is alive, something that is powerful, something that is consistent, and it is named exactly what it should be because you can just count on it. I mean, you can just literally count on it. It's an amazing, amazing thing that God has allowed us to be able to experience here on this earth. It's majestic, it's powerful. And did you know this? During an eruption, the water temperature at the vent has been measured up to 204 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not just cold water spewing out. It is scalding, hot, boiling water. It is hot. It is under a tremendous amount of pressure. And what I want to try to tell you about today, and I want to kind of bring us into a topic here of faithfulness in the time that we have here, the short time this morning, about how faithful are we? When people look at us, 
Do they see something that, as a symbol of who God has created, something that is, that is majestic, something that is consistent, something that is real, something that, even under pressure, is going to consistently do the same thing over and over again? It kind of like, we just kind of get put on autopilot because we are... We serve as a Christian, as people who love God. God wants us to be people who are steady, who are rock solid, and who can be faithful in every time of our life. And I'll tell you what, there are tough times that we face. But I want us to be able to kind of drill down and see about some, some ways to dissect this idea of faithfulness this morning. I read about a, a funny uh, story and I'll share it with you here. It says, at, a, at Wednesday evening, there was a Wednesday evening study that a pastor was having with his church family. And he invited out to hear a guy's testimony. And this was a, a wealthy man that was, was sharing that day. And he rose to give his testimony. And he said, I'm a millionaire. He said, I, and I attribute all of the rich blessings that God has given me in my life. Um, and I can still remember the turning point in my faith like it was just yesterday. He said, I just earned my first dollar and I went to church meeting that night. And the speaker was a missionary who had been given his story about where he was going on the mission field. And he, he really touched this guy's heart. And he said, he said he didn't have anything but just one dollar in his, in his possession. And he said, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him. And he says, you know what? He says, God, he says, you know what? It's all I've got in the world today. And he says, but I really believe that you can use it for your honor and your glory. And he says, so I put that dollar in the plate and I gave it and I asked God to use that. And he says, you know what? He said, ever since then, he says, God has continued to bless me. And I can tell you what, he says, if you can just learn to give all that you have to God, then he will bless you the same. And the, and, the, and the church congregation received it well, and they thought, man, this is amazing. I, this is, this is kind of like the, well, I want to have that kind of faith, right? And so as he was going back to his seat, there was a little old lady that, that, uh, that he walked by, and, and she, she sat, he sat down beside her, and she leaned over and whispered in his ear and said, I dare you to do it again. Do you get it? Because you know what? We, are, we can actually handle things that we think we can handle, little things. But the Bible says that, that that is actually the key to being able to experience real faithfulness. Luke 16.10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust is the least... I'm sorry, excuse me. And he that is unjust is the least uh, also in much. God says this, If I can't trust you with a little, then I can't trust you with a lot. And now all of us have been given certain things in life, and we've all been given this uh, opportunity. But what are you doing with the gifts that God has given you now? One guy said to his wife, I think our kids got my brains. And she replied, I'm sure they did. It's the little things that count. And uh, <laughs> so, so sometimes the little things really do matter, right? And so I want to talk to you today about three different things to be able to challenge our faith today. And I've entitled the message today, A 3D Look at Faithfulness. A 3D Look at Faithfulness. I want to kind of drill down and, and uh, be able to help you understand some things this morning. And, and I'll be honest with you, 
I don't, I, I don't, sometimes I, I, I want to make, especially when you're saying about summer and, and being the awesome, I want to make you feel good. I really do. I like to feel good when I come to church. But I, honestly, sometimes there are things in God's word that just tear me up. And I mean, it bothers me. I mean, I can, I can open up the Bible, and I love those days when I can get in the Bible and God's Word, and I can come out and say, man, that was good. I mean, I can do that. That was refreshing. But then there's other times when it seems like God is just drilling on me, just chipping away and making it tough. And this is kind of one of those things, one of these uh, topics, because faithfulness is something that is not always easy. It can be hard. And God gives us a simple, some simple truths. And I want us to just kind of look at one verse today. But I want you to notice there are three D's in this verse that I believe can help us transform and make this summer one of the most and best summers that we've ever experienced together. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, the Bible says, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny. Does that sound like a happy word? Deny? I don't even like the sound of that. But you see, The first thing today I want you to realize is that faithfulness requires denial. Self-denial is the bedrock of faithfulness. When Jesus speaks of self-denial, he is not merely speaking of denying our pleasure, our comforts in life. A lot of times, how many of you know have heard of Lent? And there's a time when people set aside things in their life and they do without things and they they put themselves uh, and they deny those things in their life. But that's a lifestyle that we as Christians are to have. Jesus is telling us that we can no longer be the center of our lives. Man, I'm telling you what, I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't always see something I like, but it's the only me there is to like. So I have to like it, right? And you know what? If I'm not careful, I can fall in love with the man in the mirror because Everything that I do in life affects me. Everything. I can try to encourage others, but it still affects me. I am the person who has to live with myself. If I make mistakes, I have to live with those mistakes. If I make good choices, I get to live with those choices. But in everything, we have to realize that the easiest thing for us to do is to get consumed with ourselves. He is never concerned about what we do in so much as what we are is what God is trying to say. He is not talking about giving up luxuries or even necessities, but about denying self, which is kind of entirely different because whenever we deny things, I think a lot of people say, well, you know what, in order to be a Christian, does that mean I can't have fun anymore? Does that mean I don't get to, you know, go do some fun things, have nice things? No, the Bible's not talking about that. The Bible's talking about denying ourselves, And getting ourselves in a situation where we are totally, totally surrendered to God. We are to not to deny that we own ourselves. We do not have the final right to decide what we are going to do or where we are going to go. It strikes right at the heart 
of our very existence. I mean, did you hear me? It strikes right at the heart of our very existence. Who doesn't want to be in charge of your own life? <laughs> if I, I say, if, I could, if somebody tells you you're not in charge anymore, what is the first thing you want to say? Yeah, I don't like it, right? I want to be in charge. And you know what? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that faithfulness requires denial. Now, when I was a teenager, I'll give you a little taste. I, I, I heard this kind of for the first time when I was a, a younger teenager, and I grew up in church. And I thank God for that. And, um, and I honestly, I got saved at an early age, and I, I came to know the Lord. We had an evangelist that came and preached, and, and man, I, I remember just even as a, as a young boy, I remember sitting in the back of the church, and I thought, you know what? I need Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me, and he did. And, but you know what? I didn't always live for God the way that I should. And I, as a teenager, I kind of, I, I never got into really bad things. Um, I did kind of, uh, I always tell people as a kid, I did do drugs a little bit because my parents drug me to church Sunday morning. They drug me to church every time the doors were open. Um, but I never did the, the bad kind. I just got drugged to church, right? But in the midst of all that, you know what I heard? Um, I had a youth pastor that, that really started ministering to my heart. And I looked at him and I thought, you know what? There were some things that he was mentioning in, in, about life and about denying and actually had the audacity to say, you ought to not do what you want to do with your life, but you ought to do what God wants to do with your life. And man, that just rubbed me kind of, eh. Because you know what, I was, I was dating, I had a girlfriend about two and a half years, we'd been, you know, in high school, and we were, I, I kind of had a good job, I, everything was going great, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I, I kind of pushed God out of the picture, and I said, you know what, God, I don't, I don't really want you to dictate or tell me what I need to do with my life, because I'm at a decision-making point in my life, and I want to be able to make that decision myself. Now, I didn't just come out and tell God that, but he knew my heart, he knew exactly what I was thinking, right? Because you can't trick God. And I wonder if there's people here sometimes that even in your life, there's been times in your life when Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit has been working in your heart and your life and he's been saying, hey, I got something I want you to do. I want you to do something big, not for your sake, but for my sake. And in order to be faithful, here's the thing. I was, I was being drugged to church, but I didn't have that that ultimate faithfulness that came from my heart that said, I, I need to be there. Not because mom and dad thought it was best for me, but because God knew that I needed to be there. And I think our young people today, we got kids graduating from high school in our church and people graduating in college. And I wonder, have you sit down to think one time, what does my career path have to do with God's plan? Or is it all focused around me? Is anything that I do totally surrendered to what God wants for my life. It wasn't until I went to a youth conference that uh, I think I was 15, going on 16 years old. I, somebody invited me to go to this youth conference. And there were thousands of teenagers that were at this conference. And there was a guest speaker who came. And his, his name was Tim Lee. I'll put a picture up here for you of, of him. And, and uh, Tim Lee, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Okay, 
I'd never heard of him. I, had, I went to this uh, church, and, and uh, this guy was the, the guest speaker. And one of the things that, you know, kind of stood out to me at first was, this guy has no legs. And as a teenager, I was like, man, what happened to him? And I thought to myself, you know, he already captured my mind. I thought, what in the world? And he began to speak and tell his testimony. And I just want to share a little bit about that this morning. And, and I, won't, I won't be long. But I was invited to go to this conference. And the story basically said that he said his dad was a pastor. And, and, and he grew up in church. And he also had all the things that he, uh, you know, all the, the, the great things that came along with that. But it wasn't until he was a teenager that, that God convicted him. And he uh, accepted Christ as his Savior. But he pushed God aside and he said, you know what? He said, I got saved and I knew what I should do and I knew I should surrender. But there's a part of me that when I got saved, I, I got all of Jesus, but he didn't get all of me. And he said, I began to uh, push myself away from the things that God had for, my, for me. And I began to look for answers in some of the things that he was. He kind of said, I kind of fell in love with myself. And he was really good at sports, and he ran track, and he, would do, you know, he did the hurdles and the high jump, and he did all these amazing things. But he got so consumed in his popularity, and he began to uh, rebel against his mom and dad, and he began to rebel against his church, and he began to rebel against those in authority over him, and he, and he began to run. And in his heart, and heart of hearts, he knew, he's like, I'm doing what's wrong. He says, I should be following the Lord. I should be being faithful, but, I, but I'm running. And he said, you know, I got, everything kind of got mixed up. He got kicked out of school and, and things just kind of went, went really bad for him for a while. And he embarrassed his dad who was a pastor and he, you know, and he just, you know, his life was kind of messed up and, you know, he had nobody to look at in the mirror, but he's like, you know what? He always knew, he says, God was dealing with me and I kept running and I wouldn't deny myself. He says, I got so tired of people telling me what to do and saying, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. He said, so I decided, I was walking down the street one day and I saw a big billboard sign and it said, join the Marines. So he said, I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do anymore. And I wanted to be on my own. I wanted to be independent. So I joined the Marines. <laughs> and I was like, I was, you know, I was like, man. So that's what he did. So he joined the Marines and while he was in there, he had a, he, he began to, he said, believe it or not, he said, I, that, he had Jesus in him, but he said, they had a way of getting you to do what's right, even if you didn't follow what Jesus was wanting you to do. He's like, man, they just, they, they made it work. And he, got, he began to get character for the first time, but he still hadn't surrendered to God, and he was fighting it. And he said, you know, he'd, he'd be convicted because he had a buddy that was in school with him, or I'm sorry, in the military with him, and while he was... Uh, in his troops and so forth, his buddy would always share his faith with others. And he'd say, you know, um, he'd see him. He'd say, look, he is open about it. He, didn't, he wasn't embarrassed about his faith. And he was bold. And you could tell that he wasn't afraid of what God was doing in his life. And then, and then he would be like, man, I'm, I'm just convicted. But he said, I was just ashamed of myself. I just wasn't, didn't have the boldness. And he says, I was just, I, I don't know, I just couldn't deny that. So he, anyway, his job was actually, he was a, 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 a minesweeper, and he would go out and he would uh, sweep them, you know, uh, he'd bring new troops to, from, that would come to the battlefield, and his job was to train those troops in Vietnam to be able to go out and, and try to find those landmines. 
everything had gone well, and he had the, he and his buddy and, and that was also trained in this area had been doing that. And then at lunchtime, they sit down and take a break. And he even said, he said, I was offered an opportunity to have an office position. And I said, no, I want to finish my tour with my guys. And he stayed. And even that day at lunch, his, his partner that loved the Lord and was always shared his faith said, hey, I'll take point. And I'll train the second half of the day. And he's like, no, no. He says, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. He says, that's fine. And he said, as soon as lunch was over, they began to work their way over. And he said, it was just a couple minutes that he stepped on a 60-pound landmine. And that 60-pound landmine, instantly his body was blown up. And he flew up in the air. And and he said he went unconscious. and, And he said that, his buddies looked at him and he said later, after the fact, he said, it looked like somebody had poured a five-gallon bucket of red paint all over you. He said, there is no way we thought you would live. And they took him and they put him on this helicopter and he looked up, at, actually, when he first came to, he was laying in the lap of his, of his friend that was a Christian. And he said, I was suspecting him to, you know, be saying, hey, how are you? And he said, the only thing I could remember him looking up and saying, he was crying out to God, God, please save my friend. And he said it was there at that time that he, for the first time in his life, got to a point where he was like, I will do what you want, God, if you just let me live. God, if you just let me get past this time in my life, if you just let me not die and get me back home with my parents, I'll listen to what they say. He was 20 years old at the time. He said, I will. I'll I'll listen, God. I won't run anymore because I can't. And he began to make that promise. And it took weeks and 13 or 14 surgeries and months and turned into years. And he finally was able to come back home. And and he said he kept that promise. And I'm sitting there as a teenager and I'm sitting there thinking in my life, in my mind, I've been running. And I I don't want to get to a point where God needs to do something to get my attention like that. And I don't believe, and he said this, he said, I don't believe that God, I don't believe God will do things like that to somebody. He says, I believe God does things for somebody. And that's huge. Because his best life wasn't the life that he was living while he had his legs. His best life wasn't the life that he had when he was running and causing heartache and and trying to run from God and not being faithful to the house of God and not being faithful to uh, the commands of God's word. His best life was when he decided he was going to go back and say, I surrender, I deny, I'll do whatever you want, God, and I want to serve you. And he said, you know what I did? He said, I went back and he said, "I, I started pastoring a church. And he began to preach the gospel. And he said shortly after that, God called him. After about five years, God called him to be a full-time evangelist. And he's been traveling the country his entire life now. He, he doesn't even look like that anymore. He's even older. But he's, but he's given his life to reach people. But, he's, but he, uh, he goes back to the very thing is, as he said, the thing that kept me from being able to experience the best faithful life that I could ever have was the fact that I didn't listen. And I didn't deny myself. I wonder today, young person, if you're graduating, if you're in a career right now, if you're going to college and you're graduating, or if you're just starting a career, or maybe you're ending your career and you're retiring, retiring. Has there, is there a time right now that you can say, the best life that I have 
is right now. Because I'm doing exactly what God created me to do. That's a big question, isn't it? Because it, it really hits home. Because if you, if you really ask that question, you have to say, it doesn't matter what I want anymore. And that's hard, isn't it? I want what God wants. It's tough. Man. So anyway, self-denial is to follow Christ no matter what cost is involved. I'm going to skip to point number two here for time's sake. Faithfulness requires death. Yeah, you thought the first one was tough. <laughs> Don't worry. There's no Kool-Aid going to be passed around. We will take communion at the end, but it's, but it's okay. You can drink it, okay? I'm kidding. Mark 8, 34. Let's look at it again, all right? There's three Ds, all right? The first one's denial, all right? So then the first one's denial. Whosoever de- desires to come after me. Let me ask you, church. Do you desire to come after him? I hope so. All right, here we go. So here's what it is. Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Okay, we're going to just talk about take up his cross. Billy Graham, in his book, The Offense of the Cross, The Offense of the Cross, when Jesus said, if you are going to follow me, you have to take up a cross. It was the same as saying, come and bring your electric chair with you. Take up the gas chamber and follow me. That's tough. He did not have a beautiful gold cross in mind, the cross on a church steeple or on the front of your Bible. Jesus had in mind a place of execution. When Jesus said, take up your cross, the cross wasn't a beloved symbol like it is today. It was big. It was ugly. It was heavy. It was a crude device of torture. And, it, and the message of that cross meant shame, suffering and death. Now, I'm going to tell you something. To take up that kind of cross requires a commitment that only Jesus can help you carry. He carried that cross. You know, I, we, we kid around, you know, sometimes it's hard to be able to, uh, to, be able to do things for God and, and, um, and struggle with some things. And I want to simplify it just a little bit. I know that sometimes in our life we, we struggle with things. Have you anybody been on a diet before? Yes, the lifetime diet, yeah. I understand it. I told him with you. I can, I can relate. Along with dieting comes death. <laughs> the word even has die with a T. And so it, it's really tough. But I'm telling you what, it's easy for us to want to do something, but it's another thing to do it, right? It's easy for us to say, I want to be faithful. I want to do something big. But when you have to die, it makes it hard. Because the flesh has to be put aside and and the things that we want to keep important to us because we're the center of our attention, God says, put it aside. It's easy, I've got a gym membership. It's easy to sign up. It's hard sometimes to show up, right? Man, it's a life changer. Because it requires sacrifice. It requires pain. It requires self-denial. 
But I want to ask you how committed you are today. Committed followers are cross-bearers. Casual followers seek an easier way. Committed followers dare to discipline themselves, and casual followers are looking for spiritual growth shortcuts. What's the fastest way for me to get to, to where God wants me to be? God says, there's no fast ways. There's just my way. Committed followers seek holiness. Casual followers seek happiness. Committed followers seek to worship the Lord in beauty of holiness, and casual followers seek an emotional lift. Are you committed? Are you casual in your faith? And then lastly, faithfulness requires direction. The last part of the verse there, it says, And follow me. Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Faithfulness requires direction. What direction are you going today? Who's behind you? Somebody is looking at you. It could be a coworker, it could be your kids, it could be your relatives, your spouse. There's a many number of different things, but somebody and anybody who looks at you is watching you, but can they follow you? And if they do follow you, where are you taking them? What direction are you going? Because the Bible says that if you're going to take up your cross, you've got to follow me. Now, in order for you to have somebody behind you to be able to follow you where they need to go, you've got to be following somebody yourself. There's only one person that can guide them where they need to be. And that's the same person that guides you where you need to be. And you just need to make sure that everybody who's behind you and looking at you and looking for direction is, is focusing on you so that you can follow Jesus Christ. And then you can trust that God will take care of it. Look back at what God had done. You see, Tim Lee looked back and he said, God, if you could just get me back to mom and dad, if you can just get me back to my church, if you can just get me back to the place where I ran and I started running, then I know my life can count for you again. And he's been faithful ever since. Let me tell you something. When you leave church today, where are you going? Where, where do your feet take you? Where does your mind take you? Where does your heart take you? Because in order to be able to experience truth faithfulness, there are three D's. Denial, death, and direction. What are you going to do with that faith? In just a little bit, we're going to have communion. Let me tell you something. There is somebody who lived that for us. His name was Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. He denied himself. He took up the cross and he said, follow me. If any of you want to follow me, you got to do the same thing. 
All I'm looking for today is the people to say, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of what my life is doing. I'm tired of what eh, I can make for myself. Because this summer, if you're going to experience the best one that you've ever had, then you've got to, for the first time, come to God and say, hey, this is it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm just wondering this morning if there's anybody here that says, you know what, Wes, I'm just, I'm beat up. Life's got to, it's hold on me. And I'll be honest with you, I know God's been speaking to me. And I know better. And I've been running. And I've been putting myself in the way. And I've been struggling. And I've not been doing exactly what God wants for my life. And I, and I just need to get out of the, the way. And we're just all humans. We all make mistakes. My hand, I'm telling you what, I get in the way of myself all of the time. And I hate it. But we have to get out of the way if we're going to do great things for God. If we're going to experience the best, sometimes we have to be willing to face the worst. With our head bowed and eyes closed, I wonder who's here and say, you know what? God's speaking to me about an area of my life that I've put before him. And today I want to just kind of re-hit the reset button. And I want to say, God, get me out of the way and let me trust you again. With our head bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up? I'll pray for you. I'm not going to point you out or anything. I just, man, my hand's raised too. We all struggle. I wonder if there's anybody here that may not know Jesus Christ as their Savior today. You know, you can run, but is there anything pulling you back? Is there any foundation? Have you ever said, Jesus, I want you to be in charge? I realize that if without you, I'm lost and I need you. Anybody here today say, you know what? I want that Jesus that Tim Lee talked about. I want that Jesus that you're talking about. I want that that one that's going to give me the best life I could ever have. Is there anybody here to say, pray for me? I'd really want that. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Let's all stand together. We're going to have the worship team. And I just want you to just sit in your, or stay, stand, stay standing. But, but I want you to just pray with your head bowed and eyes closed. And just be thinking about what God can do in your life today to bring you back to that moment of faithfulness.